Not all mass storage are viable. Much like single event cases, you'll want to be confident in your selection when investing significant resources as required by mass storage litigation and marketing. I'm Lia Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyond Se Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. And this is In Camera Podcast, where we keep our fingers on the pulse of emerging masters. Welcome to Incamera Podcast, Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, welcome back. How are you today? Good. How are you, Leo? Doing great, Grace. You know what's funny? Because we had a holiday last week and you feel like you're going to come back and you're going to be fully charged and ready to go. I feel like it's been two years since I had a long weekend and it was actually just last week. So, Grace, that's how I am. What about you? Oh, goodness. You know, after a long weekend, it always seems like uh, there's a lot more work than even before you left. But uh, and That's then, right. you know, as you and I were talking about, it's just the end of the year is coming so fast. It does yeah. feel a little bit odd. <laughs> it's super crazy, Grace. And you know what? This week I was uh, giving a presentation at a virtual seminar. It really kind of like took me back to earlier this year and end of last year when everything was still virtual and, and conferences were happening virtually and stuff. And even though it was, it was a great event, it was a great experience, there was fantastic content, uh, it still made me kind of like in retrospect even more appreciate the fact that we were back at having conferences in person, right? Because even though there is a chat there, A, you cannot really be paying full attention to what's happening in the chat and then give your presentation. And B, you know, it's the chat, it's letters, it's it's, it's words, right? There's no real emotion there. So um, yeah, I kind of like became even more appreciative of the fact that we, we seem to be going uh, strong with these in-person events. And I really hope that's the case. I, I don't want to jinx it, particularly since we have a new uh, variant around. So, yeah, you know, hey, we're in season three of the pandemic. So let, let's see how that goes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at least we were lucky enough to start this podcast before the pandemic. So <laughs> we've had something that, you know, we've been able to put together and still put out there on a weekly basis, which is great, at least. Yeah, we've been pre-pandemic and we've gone strong ever since. So Grace, this week we have an interesting conversation here because A, it's masters and that's great because there's so much to talk and learn about that. But particularly this time, we're going to be talking about two fairly recent masters and it's funny because when when you well, it's not funny. Masters are never funny. But what I'm saying here is that when you've mentioned and you brought this up yesterday when we were uh, discussing what we we're going to be talking about this episode, and you brought up one of the masters, which is Baby Formula, it rang my bell because I've heard about this master, and I actually heard about it about six or seven months ago when it was still very, 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 very unknown, and 
the person who brought it up, of course, uh, asked me to to be discreet about it, right? Uh, as often these recent masters tend to develop, uh, you know, there's a little bit of secrecy going on around those. But it looks like Baby Formula is getting into full swing right now. And so we'll talk about that. But just in before we get into Baby Formula, there's another one that you brought up that I did not know about. And it's an interesting one because it's lead poisoning through water. And this has been an existing issue. Obviously, Flint, Michigan comes to mind when you hear about water contaminated with lead. And you kind of um, want to know, first of all, what's the difference? Is there any difference between what's happening right now, where is it happening, and what's the outlook? So, Grace, what do you know about lead poisoning right now, and where is this happening? So, basically, it comes from the fact of where they get the water, right? It's the water source. So this particular one, it's, as you said, Flint, Michigan was probably one of the first ones, and I'm sure there was potentially before that, but that I remember that's one of the ones that I can recall back in the day. Now, this is one of those very similar in that sense. It's a different location, and this one is in Jackson, MS. And what basically is happening with this one is that in 2014, in August of 2014, Jackson, Mississippi switched its drinking water mm -hmm. and they, they originally had it, um, as part of the Maddox road well system. And anybody that knows anything about water, which is, it's kind of funny, not funny. Haha, as you said, right. It's nothing is ever funny, yeah. story, but it, it's, it's funny in the sense that like, none of us really know where we get our water from. Not really. Right. I mean, we know that the water comes, you know, down our pipes and we turn on the water and the water comes out. Yeah. So if somebody you want to you want to hope that it comes from some plant that it's treating the water. That's exactly somewhere safe, particularly because we live in cities. I mean, in fairly large right. cities and, you know, Jackson is not a tiny city, um, but it it must have grown enough that the well system wasn't enough potentially. Yeah. So they switch to surface water. So that means nearby lakes rivers, streams, and things of that nature. So apparently in making that switch, um, potentially what they're alleging is that children were exposed to lead because the water was uh, potentially contaminated. And since they their entire lives were switched to this new water sources, it they would be bathing in it, they would be drinking in it, they yeah. would be eating it in their yeah. food, and so on and so on. Lots, lots of different ways of getting exposed. So yeah, the, the consequences can be devastating, right? Correct. And um, it's one of those things that's kind of hard to tell because apparently lead poisoning is very similar to the symptoms of what they think are ADHD and, you know, they can't focus anymore. And, and so they, they, unless they potentially connected the two, this is probably the first time most of these people even had a clue that their kids were potentially poisoned by lead. So, Grace, who's getting sued? So, in this case, it is um, against the Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality. Uh, they mm -hmm. came out and said that they were the ones that, that this was okay to do and all of that. So they're not the ones getting sued. They, they're the ones that said, you know, 
uh, Jackson, Mississippi, the Department of Environmental, 22% of the homes, the drinking water contained enough lead that it exceeded the dangerous level of 15 parts per billion. So in this case, it looks like they're going to have to go after the government, um, not the government, but the state that changed yeah. the water. So it, whoever made the change to the water, that is who they're going after. Um, they're still trying to form the concept of, you know, the MDLs and all that stuff. There's not been bellwether trials or anything like that, that normally lead up to uh, a mass tort just yet. Um, so this is still new and developing. And for those of you that have heard us before talk about mass torts, when they're new and developing, you don't have a whole lot of information. You're just aggregating the issues, the injuries, and these are children. So this is going to be one of those things that if they were minors between 2014 and 2016, it could potentially be a pretty big case, um, you know, because they were children. Uh, so right now they're forming everything. They're deciding how it's going to go forward. And the injuries so far are a list of about 10. And any of us that know about mass torts, it could start to obviously go down and, you know, get reduced depending on as they aggregate cases and find out the true injuries across the board of all these children. Um, in that time frame. One question I have is because oftentimes what happens with, with th these types of cases, right, is are there insurance companies here to actually compensate the victims? Are we looking into a scenario where this could actually develop into solid cases or can somebody here file bankruptcy and then, you know, everybody gets left, it's left hanging there? Because that's not rare, and I think one of the things we saw here during the Texas blackout was that 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 was what happened in some occasions, not for every single case, but in some occasions it was kind of like, well, yeah, we know there are damages, but there's there's no one to go after here. So, what's what's the scenario here? So that's always the potential. Right. Mass torts are just that there it's a mass tort and the way a legal proceeding can go has a lot to do with tons of other variables that are involved. Right. You just said it, you, you know, it could be that the company is not big enough or whoever is being sued could go into bankruptcy. I mean, look at talc. Uh, Johnson and Johnson is trying to make a motion to, to subdivide the division that's being yeah. sued for talc. And so they, that's in bankruptcy court now. Or yeah. they're trying to make it go into bankruptcy court. So to to answer your question, unfortunately, I can't give you a straight answer because there's no yeah. straight answer. Yes, they could. They very well could. I mean, the city, you know, if they're suing the city, the city could go bankrupt and yeah. not pay. Exactly. Out. And and so it feels like I don't know. And again, I'm not I'm not who here to gener make generalizations, but it almost feels that when um local governments are involved in the mastered or class action it, it's almost kind of like become complex and not as straightforward when you're dealing with a private entity like johnson and johnson yes of course they are they have an army of lawyers and they have a whole uh strategy team behind how they can mitigate uh responsibility but it it in some way or another, it, it's still, it's something that is fought in courts, right? Whereas like, it doesn't, it, I, I don't know if, if that's going to be the case here with lead poisoning. I mean, just by looking at what happened in Flint, Michigan and where that situation is still even today, I'm just, you know, asking, is, is there is there a real hope here? Now, 
I, and I know you don't have the answer, so I'm gonna just move on to the next thing, Grace, which is, um, is this just in Mississippi where it is happening or is it happening in some other place? So there's one other place that um, it's not the same time frame um, that I'm aware of. I believe it's a different time frame, and we're still looking into that one. And that's Benton Harbor, Michigan. So not just Jackson, Benton Harbor. So, it, but it's the same problem of potential lead poisoning in the water. So you know, for those of us, the thing is, there is no cure for lead poisoning. There is no cure. So once it's in your body, it's in your body, and that's. You know, that's kind of, and these people are minors, but to your point, you're right. I mean, governments involved, other things like that involved. A lot of times it doesn't pan out or it takes a really, 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 really long time before anything happens, if anything at all. Yeah. So that is the second place that I know of is Benton Harbor, um, that we're going to be looking at, um, in the near, very, very near future. Um, but I don't have as much information on that one as I do Jackson, because we've just, okay. We're about to start Jackson soon. Let's talk about the marketing. Has Have campaigns started to run for this mastoid? Are leads already starting to be generated on this? Uh, no, we are literally about to start today, um, potentially Monday of next week, but most likely mm -hmm. today. Um, and then we will start generating and I'll be able to give you guys a little bit more of an update after, you know, maybe yeah. two weeks, depending on how they, quickly they come in. Yeah. But as of right now, I don't know. I don't know um, what they're right. going to look like, you know, what kind of makeup of the uh, the pool is going to be. I don't know any of that just yet. Yeah. Well, but based on what you're saying, right? So again, dissecting at masters and how to market them, the, the great thing about them is that they're very specific, right? What all of the characteristics of the master is basically your segmentation. And I've said that time and time and again. So you know the area to target, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, obviously, you're not gonna just gonna limit yourself to Jackson, but you're gonna look at Mississippi as a state uh, because people have moved. This is not something that's just happened yesterday. This is something that happened years ago. So that's one. A second here, you know very well who are the age groups that are affected, and you know that uh, some of them may still be minors, correct, Grace? Correct. Uh, correct. So you're definitely going after parents, but you're also going over after very young adults that, um, you know, could have been minor than yeah, correct that age exactly. 14. Yeah. And so that actually helps you so much narrow down. Yeah. Hyper what your, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so chances of actually getting in front of the people that this is going to be relevant for is pretty state straightforward. Now, obviously it's all going to come down to the qualifiers. So what can you tell us about the qualifiers, Grace? So the qualifiers, as I as I, I see them right now, it it's really three kind of main qualifiers, right? They had to have lived in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, and been a minor between January first, twenty fourteen, and December thirty first, twenty sixteen. Then there's then they had to have suffered academic performance. The academic performance is what I was saying is the lead poisoning causes apparently that kind of, you know, uh, lack yeah. of being able to uh, uh, like have any attention or anything like yeah. that. And talking about talking about complexity and proving something. I mean, does it get harder than that, Grace? Not really. Yeah. That's like because then the kids may have been tested for ADHD and never tested for lead poisoning. How would a parent necessarily know Like yeah. they may not? So why would a parent go test their kid for lead? 
you know, or what if they were diagnosed with ADHD and then they, now they test them for lead because, you know, lead's still present in their system potentially. So, because there's no cure for it. Right. So if they're poisoned by lead and they test them today and they were poisoned back then, these poor kids could have a double diagnosis now, you know, now they're diagnosed with ADHD when they shouldn't have ever been potentially diagnosed with the ADHD because it was lead poisoning. So yes, it's a very, very difficult. So, so then if the traces of, of lead poisoning are still present, then they're, then I'm assuming they're going to have to be, um, tested for it, right? Yes. That's going to be the qualifier. Have you another qualifier before? is having yeah. tested, uh, did you, did your child test, uh, or did you have your child tested for lead poisoning? Mm-hmm. And that, All right. that's a big qualifier, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, 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 huge. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know much about the process of lead, uh, testing and accessibility wise, how, how much availability there is for it. So that's, right. That's, 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 that's going to be a wild part. You know, people in Jackson, how yeah. much do they make? How much does it cost? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is it something that they can afford to do? Is it something yeah. I mean, they don't even think about it necessarily, but can they afford it? Yeah. Is that something that, uh, insurance covers or Medicare or whatever medical coverage they have, if they have any. So yeah, that that's, that's going to be kind of like a wild card. Yeah. One sort of caveat that I haven't really, um, you know, the, the pregnant, uh, women. Oh, okay. So that's one of those things that like they hadn't brought it up, but I remember from, I think it was Zantac or something else that we were doing that, that we had come across a couple of women that had, that their children got cancer or that their children had a problem because they were on whatever drug or device or drugs mostly, um, that they had and that they used. And then as they were pregnant, they used it because it was approved or whatever. And then they had, their children were born with the issue. So, um, I have a little small, same kind of caveat, same question, same concepts. Um, did your child, you know, were you pregnant and, um, where's your child born with, uh, you know, potentially, uh, cognitive issues and things like that. Um, so that one's going to be a little bit even further, harder to prove potentially. Um, but definitely an interesting, um, part of this lead poisoning tort. And that's because if you're pregnant during that time, a lot of times you do get tested for a lot of things, but I don't know that if you get tested for lead. Um, so it would be interesting to see, um, how many of those come out, um, how many people were potentially pregnant during those years. Um, and if they did test their children for lead, um, after they were born. So Grace, let's move on to our next mastered because we've said we were going to be talking about two and we've already uh, mentioned that it's infant formula. So as I've said, I heard about this early, very early in the summer, somebody said it's starting to emerge. There are signs that something's going to happen there. Yeah. So what has happened since Grace? What do we know about this particular door? Are we going after one particular brand? Is it several brands here that are impacted? Let's start with the basics. Okay. So the basics, um, formula or fortifier. So some of us know what that is. Some of us don't, you know, the concept of of breast milk versus fortifier versus formula and baby food are completely different, right? Because baby food is food. It's not formula. That's right. And it's not fortifier. So, and it's not breast milk. Yeah. You know, to understand that we need to start there. You have to understand that there's a very, very, very different 
uh, concepts on each of these. And breast milk is not the same, obviously, as fortifier or yeah. formula because it's it's coming out of the actual yeah. breast milk. Um, yeah. Now, I you need heard... to sue the you need to sue the mother, the lactating mother, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> if, you're, if you're if you're if your allegation has to do with you having something, uh, a problem with the breast milk, person, yeah, you have to sue your mother. That's basically <laughs> right. that's crazy. But yes, very true. <laughs> so what I've seen so far, it's formula or fortifier, um, and it's specifically Enfamil and Similac are the two okay. that I've seen. They are asking. Okay which ones, um, and this has been what I understand is going to be the criteria going forward. Um, but they are asking if you've taken other formula or fortifier and you've had this problem, um, not to say that it may go anywhere, but those may end yeah. up being what they call inventory cases or cases that if they have enough critical mass, then they could potentially go after another provider of fortifier or formula. Okay. And, and these are, Grace, excuse me, I'm not very uh, familiar with different brands of formula. Are these done by the same corporation or they're, or they're completely separate? You know, that's a good question. Um, my understanding is that Enfamil and Similac are from similar companies, but I could be completely wrong. So give me one second okay. and I'll tell you right now. Yeah, that's fine. And while you're checking on that one, I also want to confirm. So this formula is basically the powdered one that you put into a bottle and you shake and and the baby's drink, right? It's powdered. Baby right. Formula. It's to, to okay. augment the breast milk. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Similar. Oh, wait, wait. I, by... So this, this, this is drank by the babies, yes. not by the mother in an effort to produce more breast milk. No. Correct. Yeah. It's either a supplement because, you know, lactation's not happening enough too much for the mother. So they need to feed the baby and they're supplementing with formula or they're just feeding uh, formula to the baby from the get go. Right. And well, so it's, those it's, are the two. Three. Okay. Because fortifier is added to the breast milk. So there's um, the infamous Pumping breast milk and then mixing it with this. Got it. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. It's a technical thing here, right? We need to understand what's happening. (laughs) Yes, it is. Uh, You know, formula, I, you know, my, my niece actually was on Similac formula. um, And then she was switched to Enfamil and it was because of, uh, she had problems uh, with the breast milk and breaking it down or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's, you know, they put her on that specific formula and that's what she had. You know, she did, it was interesting because she did have some stomach issues. Um, and then we took her off of the formula and put her on regular food because uh, she was already, you know, kind of close enough to, to do, be able to do that. And then she was fine. So I'm wondering if potentially this was the issue because she did yeah. have stomach issues after taking the formula. So it this is, it is very technical. It's very specific. Um, but a lot of women don't know what the heck was going on with their babies and they thought they were doing good by obviously trying to give them fortifier um, as part in their breast milk to give them more yeah, nutrients. I mean, That's what you're totally. told is okay. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, babies need to grow at a certain rate and you just need to keep up with it. Right. I mean, there's no, it's a very, very binary process. Right. And, and the recommendations are coming on automatic. Right. If the baby's not growing this much, you need to supplement with this, that, or you need to change them into this. And so it's, I mean, just from hearing that, just from hearing that, Grace, the size of this can be enormous, can be substantial. So 
why don't we get into the details? And then if we do end up finding out whether these companies are from, from the same uh, corporation or not, we'll clarify it later. So, oh, I, I looked it up. Similac is owned by uh, Abbott Laboratories and okay. Enfamil is owned by a British firm, Reckitt Benkiser. Okay. It's a Chicago-based Mead Johnson. That's who it's made by. Okay. So All right. Abbott Laboratories Good. and Mead Johnson, two different companies. So... Doesn't necessarily mean much, but at the same time, the fact that two different companies with different products, probably different components, to ingredients, it. different, right. I mean, formulas to their formulas. Right. Right. So, okay. All right. Grace. So what, what do we know? What are the symptoms? What's happening here? Is there a date range? Let's let's start looking into the qualifiers and the symptoms. So it's interesting you asked about the date range. I'm still trying to find that out. Um, I haven't been given one necessarily, uh, but it is. These are the qualifiers as I know today, and that is uh, has to be premature birth, uh, meaning fewer than seven thirty seven weeks of gestation. So it had to be a premature baby. Okay. So the baby that was being fed the formula had to be a premature baby. Correct. Okay. Because yep. I guess Thank it you. affects specifically premature babies. Okay. Because they don't have fully formed organs. Mm -hmm. Then the, apparently what's happening is the diagnosis of necrotizing enterocolitis, which is basically their guts fall apart. Necrosis. So, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. When things, uh, degrade and start falling apart. Yeah. That's necrosis. So necrotizing enterocolitis, it's the inner, inner intestine falling apart. It's horrible. Um, you know, I, I know I said that three times and it's just because I heard it on Tuesday when I was sitting on the mass towards made perfect webinar on baby formula. And one of the, um, the attorneys, um, she said that she had, you know, spoken to one of the, um, you know, a woman that had gone through this with her child. And it was just honestly going and hearing that it was just so difficult. Um, you know, yeah, of course, you know, being a mom myself and, you know, my sister's a mom and we all know, you know, kids and, and children that yeah. were potentially born preemies. It's just hard to, to conceive of that. These poor children are, are you know, right. getting hurt to this degree. Um, uh, because that's not the only, you know, besides the diagnosis, there are injuries that mm -hmm. are associated with this formula and that diagnosis. And those are intestinal perforation. Mm. Yeah. Scarring or strictures in the intestines. So their guts can bind up sepsis, mm -hmm. cerebral palsy, neurological yeah. wow. damage, surgery to remove the dead intestines. And yes. of course death potentially because they can't eat. So yeah, know. well, I mean, a, a lot of those sound like that, even if you survive that you're, you're probably life expectancy expectancy. Uh, it's not, it's, it's not going to be great. Right. No. I, I mean, no. I don't know. I'm, uh, it would reduce your life expectancy I'm, potentially by a lot. If, if not killing you right then and there, killing the child right then and there. And that's because wow. they're already a preemie baby. They're already under these potential injuries and issues. And then, um, and, basically slapping on top of them, something that is yeah. going to destroy their intestines. Wait, so great. So how fast are these symptoms and are, are these side effects, if you want to call them side effects, start 
taking place? It's interesting that you asked that because that was one of the things that they were talking about on the call. And that was, they're not, you know, they, they don't, it's hard to notice, right? It's hard to notice because the stomach, the baby is a preemie to begin with. So mm -hmm. they think that the formula is helping and then they take them off of that formula and potentially switch them to another formula or something else. And things seem to be getting better, but the baby has to eat every day. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for them to understand or realize that it was the formula causing the problem and that it was feeding that it wasn't mm -hmm. the fact that they were a preemie baby or, you know, their blood or anything else. So yeah. for them to figure out that it's the formula, they've, it took them too long. And a lot of times they're putting them back on the formula because the food or the, the breast milk is still not enough. And yeah. breast milk is so expensive that they don't automatically go to breast milk because it's too expensive. So yeah. they mostly go to the formula or even fortifier in the breast milk. So yeah. it's hard for them to determine this. And then they put them back on the formula again. So it's, it's been very difficult for them because they don't know that this is the issue. They don't know it, that simple okay. infamil is the issue. So how certain are we right now that, that this is the issue, right? So I guess that's, that's where that's we're going to determine yeah. whether this takes off or not. Yes. It's new. It's they are looking to try and form an MDL um, that has already started. Uh, mm -hmm. So it looks. You like know where? Illinois, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, they say because of the favor favorable statute of limitations and statute of repose, uh, specifically with children and minors, it doesn't run out until I think ten years after they turn eighteen or something like that. Don't quote me on that, please. I am not an attorney. I will not be able to give you the specifics on that, but. The yeah. SOL and the SOR, statute of limitations, statute of repose, my understanding from the call on MTMP was that Illinois has favorable ones for these children to be able right. to, you know, and their parents to be able to co get right. compensation for this horrible, horrible thing. Um, you know, as I know more, I will talk more to you about it, obviously, and we can talk more about it on the podcast, but this is going to be, and they said it on MTMP uh, pod, on the on the webinar, they, this is going to be potentially a very, very big thing. And it's because yeah. it's children, it's preemie babies and NEC or yeah. diagnosis of necrotizing enterocolitis is one of those things that when the baby, if, if the baby passes or the baby has problems like that, you'll know and you'll see it. And if they took formula and they just link the two, cause formula, that formula is prescribed. My sister had to have the formula prescribed to her to be able to get that formula. So the proof behind this is there. Um, yeah, it'll be a little harder to, um, I, I, w I won't know yet until we get a little more into it, what's, what they're going after and what they have that, that, that they can go after Enfamil and Similac, that they knew about it or something, right? Cause it's always about negligence, uh, liability, uh, it, it's, it's about liability. So you have to know why it is that we can go after them. Did they know something, you know, like with Jewel, uh, or like with Talc? Uh, you know, did they know anything about it? Did they hide anything? Yeah. Was there, you know, was there something that somebody was told and never was divulged? That's where we're at. And I have to learn a little bit more about that side of it. Whereas the lawyers will probably know better than I do. Um, the ones yeah. involved in this, the exact science behind why they can go after them right now. 
legally. Yeah, you know, you're very thorough, Grace. You you, you make sure you share your notes with the with the lawyers litigating this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like they do. Right. <laughs> but, but, uh, there were some but, amazing lawyers on that MTMP webinar. I, I'm sure. Thing. I'm sure. I'm sure they are. So, Grace, I mean, this is huge, right? Because I'm just looking here at statistics and basically 10% of all baby birds in the United States per year are preemies. Um, and so that that comes up to a number of 380,000. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm seeing here. That's not a um, that's not a tiny pool. No, no, it's huge, right? Yeah. It's huge, and so I, I I I guess we don't know what's the rate of preemie babies that actually have these. I I don't have that data, but you know, it's it's not small at all. So as we're shifting into talking about the the marketing side of things, do we know if there are any hot spots? Have there been any particular areas in the country where this has been more noticeable than in other places? Or are we well, basically looking at everywhere? So if they're starting the MDL near Illinois, it's because that's where a lot of this is kind of coalescing. Doesn't mm -hmm. not to mean that, you know, maybe there it's gonna we're gonna see heat maps in other locations. You yeah. know, like how we saw with Paraquat by where the farm areas are and all of that. Yeah. I don't know if we're gonna see the same thing with this in maybe the major cities. Right, mm -hmm. where it like concentrates on the major city areas, uh, where they have more preemie babies because people are more inclined to go to the hospital with their, you know, and the preemie babies and so on and so on. I don't know. Um, that's just a supposition at this point. Um, but no, I have not seen a heat map or anything specific okay. to that. I don't know exactly what the pool is going to look like, but I can tell you what we're going to be looking at in terms of targeting, and that's obviously parents, and it seems like, um, Mothers and social media in particular are the way to go, um, like Facebook groups and communities. Yeah, that's the thing. There is big communities in social media platforms. Yep. These. And even display advertising, right? On like the parenthood um, yeah. parent pages and channels and YouTube channels yeah. and all that stuff. There's tons of that stuff on there. Yeah, yeah. So targeted, yes, absolutely great. So just top of mind comes targeted placement on display and YouTube, um, huge. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, the search network, right? The yeah. place to be because obviously the, the awareness is there. You definitely need to be looking not at high intent keywords um, only because people, just like as you've mentioned with most of mass storage, whether it's Paracord or so, you want to go after the symptoms, right? So in, in the in the case of, I'm just going to use Paracord here because it's 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 in my mind and I I know what the symptom is. So it's Parkinson, right? right That's easy. the actual, yeah. So so you actually target that. You, you target Parkinson as part of the keywords that you want to be associated with your campaign because uh, whether someone has been diagnosed with Parkinson because of Paracord or not is not going to be certain until the, the lead actually uh, clicks on your ad because they see themselves identified with it. You definitely want to put it in front of them for their consideration. Because, you know, um, if they've had a premature baby and fed them formula and they are now having one of those conditions that you've mentioned, then that comes up on the top of the page. You see that it's in front of you. Then that's obviously going to draw your uh, eyes to and you're probably going to want to click that there. But I think, you know, because there are so many different things that range from vet to other procedures or conditions, um, 
yeah, it's uh, it's 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 big. It's a really big campaign. Yeah, it's yeah. There's gonna be a lot of. It's a really it's, it's a really big campaign, and it's it's definitely gonna intersect with childbirth injuries, cerebral palsy that you're mentioning there. It's a campaign on its own. And so I think you you are if you are after if, if if you're one marketing for both things you just need to you know make sure that you're segmenting well there your ads so that baby birth injuries is not getting confused with this because it's a completely different type of injuries yeah a completely it is. different type of case and if you end up having someone a potential infant formula case. Uh, you definitely don't want to send them to a baby birth page or landing page because it's it's not that mm -mm. it's not that it it's it's not going to be relevant to them. So that those are just kind of like the, the the opportunities that I can see here. But in terms of reach, I mean, you have a lot of places to go and run your run your campaigns. It's uh, you you're just gonna have to be selective about. About what, what market you want to go after, yeah, mm -hmm. and injuries and everything. Because uh, yeah, I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, I think intestinal perforation and preemie birth might be a good way to, you know, but like you said, it's going to be difficult to make sure that you don't get birth injuries or med mal or anything like that involved with the baby formula. Cause that's so different, right? One is yeah. baby formula. One has to do with potentially, you know, something happening when the baby was actually born and an injury yeah. because of it. You know, so mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it, yeah. That is going to be interesting. I, I hadn't thought about that quite that way, Liel. So I appreciate you bringing that up because, yeah, birth injuries are <laughs> so specific and it does have a lot of these issues potentially in there as well. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. It, I, it's I don't think they'll know necrotizing enterocolitis. Like what parent necessarily knows the exact terminology of the gut situation that their child had? Yeah. Well, I mean, only, only, only if if your doctor has has brought it to your attention and told and told you, right? Yeah. This is what this is what happening to your baby, right? God forbid. But you know, I mean, just saying it, Jesus, it's ooh. right. It doesn't give you, yeah. yeah. It oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But and so, yeah, yeah. Well, Grace, thank you again for sharing insights into two new potential masters. And let's do our takeaways. All right. Sounds good to me. So I guess the, uh, let's uh, bring it home with the baby formula and everything. You know, anytime we talk about new mass towards developing mass towards, it's important that you all remember and think about the fact that whatever, wherever it is in its life cycle, right? Whether it's paraqua, mm -hmm. cause it's, a, uh, you know, in the mid age, or if it's baby formula because it's brand new and there's not quite an mm. MDL formed, or if it's even newer, like lead poisoning and nothing has been done necessarily yet and nobody really knows about it, you have to determine whether you want to go after that, right? And that is part of your overall marketing strategy. So my takeaway is always think about your overall marketing strategy and what you specifically want to go after and where that is in your business's life cycle, as well as how that's going to fit into your current business strategy and marketing um, strategy. I agree, Grace. So I guess my, um, I don't really have three today. I, I have two. So if you want to take one, by all means, take one. Um, my second one is having to do with um, specifically with marketing strategy and targeting. Um, I think sometimes we forget uh, 
we forget to look at the specifics of the market, right? And how, like you said, in particular with the birth injuries versus baby formula and how those two could potentially mix and you have to be very specific in the way you're you're creating your campaigns and going after these. I think it's important that we remember and constantly adjust and fix and have the, as part of our strategy what our, our target is. Who are we supposed to be going after? If you need to create an avatar, create an avatar. Do whatever it is that you need to do to know this is who I'm trying to go after and this is how I'm going to get there. Because to just throw campaign money out there, obviously no one is in that position. No one should be really in that position or should be doing that. Um, yeah. But we are really not in that position. Nobody is, right? As as lawyers, as businesses, as running a business, you need to be as focused as you possibly can in targeting what you're trying to achieve and getting to that goal. But you have to understand what that goal is before you get there. So if you need to speak to somebody like Liel, you know, to give you a, a consultation on what your targeting should be, do that. You should, and you really need to, because to just throw money into something and say, oh, because it's brand new, I, I'm, I'm going to spend X number of dollars and, you know, it's a new tort. So I know I'll get good leads. No, that doesn't work that way. And it's just going to get harder and harder in Google. And it has been to achieve any goals without a clear direction and plan. That, that That's a really good one, Grace. I agree with you, right? Um, you need to know very well your qualifiers. At the end of the day, that's going to dictate who is going to be your tar your target audience and what you need to inform them about and make it very clear to them also what is the call to action. I will say, though, I mean, you'll be surprised sometimes how much not so well thought through strategy can actually still generate results. The bottom line is that you don't want to you don't want to be that person running a sort of mediocre campaign and taking that gamble. Why? Because the moment somebody comes to market with a better strategy, with better messaging, with a more thorough approach, they're probably going to beat you in to generating the, the leads. So you, you definitely want to up the game there because competition is getting tougher and, and you just need to, to be up there. Grace, I'm just going to say my last takeaway here, it's going to be, it's the end of the year, run your numbers. If you have money, go and diversify, invest in mass stores because it can generate results. Do your homework, talk to people like Grace, right? And get involved into masters. You don't have to do it on your own. You can just leverage your position as an attorney and do yourself a favor by being part of it. That's right. Make sure that you include yourself as part of the strategy. You know exactly what you're doing and you make sure that you yeah. talk to whoever you need to talk to to make sure it gets done right or someone else will bring yeah. you out to those leads in those cases. So Grace, thank you very much for this great conversation and I'm looking forward to our next one next week. Next Have week. a great rest of your day. You too, Leo. Bye. Bye. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review and send us your questions at ask at We'll see you next week.